Aloha, this is Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I am back after a long week hiatus. Memorial, is it? I believe it was Memorial Day. It wasn't Labor Day. Memorial Day. Memorial Day happened. It was a nice long weekend. Actually, I had a bunch of stuff planned for that weekend unexpectedly. Some expected, some not so expected. Decided to do some some fun things over that weekend, and basically, I just got way too lazy to uh, set up everything and do a recording. So. Yeah, but you know, also we really didn't miss that much. We had one finale uh, the week prior. Not a whole bunch of shows returned in that following week, so we didn't really miss too much. So it's gonna be real quick to recap. So anyway, I'm Joe, aka Curvy Geeky Fangirl. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and my website, CurvyGeekyFangirl.com. I am also a contributor for FanBros.com. So you might have seen some of my fantastic fandom fashions posted up there most recently there is some deadpool stuff and there is some han solo stuff with more on the way i did manage to talk uh tatiana king jones into accepting an article i did for super mario brothers their 25th anniversary recently the film the film's 25th anniversary Woo! so if you even know what that film is already kudos we can hang uh, if you don't know what that film is, you probably only know it by its reputation because it's terrible. It's not good. So <clears throat> I'm glad that uh, I at least got that out. It is posted up. Uh, you would have to find me find it under like the author uh, site. They've got a portion of the site. They've got the author page where you can see it, but it's there. It's in there. Just so you know. So you can check out all that stuff. You want to check out my work. Basically, I am here to talk about all of the geeky, nerdy, wonderful thing that happens in my life, usually through media, either books, TV, film, the like. Uh, and I do this recap podcast of talking about what it is that I've seen and my thoughts on it. You can find this podcast on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and a bunch, bunch more. Anchor is really awesome at putting you on other other stations that do podcasts. So yay, you can find all, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of things. And yeah, so I'm gonna bust into this weekly podcast. I'm gonna recap uh, the shows I've been watching. As you guys know, if you've been listening, I watch Into the Badlands. Supergirl, The Flash, The Expanse, uh, Little My Hero Academia, little anime for ya. And then I'm going to go deeper into Deadpool spoilers because I kind of touched on it the week before last when it came out. It's been two weeks since the movie. Hopefully people have had the chance to watch it. If not, be ready. This recap is spoiler heavy. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. And that's for all the shows I just mentioned. So if you haven't seen anything or you're not caught up yet, I'm going to be going into spoilers. I'm basically caught up to this last week of whatever shows returned this last week. Um, and I'm going to be talking about all of the feels. All of the feels that happened, which means spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So if you haven't caught up, pause here, catch up, come back. We can talk. We can hang. So I'm going to be busting into into the Badlands right after this. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Into the Badlands. So there was no episode last week. So we're going to be recapping the episode prior to that really, really quickly. Uh, you know what? This story, this show... It's keeping you on your toes. I'm gonna give it that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it that. It's keeping you on your toes. There's some stuff in here I'm like, is this really happening? And there's some stuff in here that I'm like, ooh. Okay, let's talk about this. So 
that being said, the things that are most intriguing to me based off of the episode, that the last newest episode we got with them, uh, we got a bigger story on Guy's Chow. We got a bigger history on him. So apparently Louis Tan's character, Louis Tan, uh, is getting a much bigger story arc than I thought he was. I mean, I knew he was going to be in a bunch of episodes, but I was like, yo, they're like really integrating you into this story. What's happening? He's got a shared history with Widow, it turns out. Apparently when Widow was a cog, I believe that's the terminology they used. She, because uh, she wasn't a clipper. So she worked in the house when she was like, like a teenager. She worked for the Chows. She worked for Baron, for the old Baron Chow. So the parents to the current Baron Chow and Gaius. And um, this Baron Child was just like real, just couldn't wait for like somebody to mess up so that he can beat them mercifully, like mercilessly. There you go, not mercifully. Mercilessly, could not wait. Uh, and already like the head cog lady, she was already like up Widow's butt in the first place. I'm just like, act, get it together, act right, blah, 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 blah. Apparently it's the birthday party we get. It's Gaius Chow's birthday. He's also a teenager. And they very quickly paint it as he is the nice one, like the humane one. He treats Widow like a person. He's like, hey, thank you for, you know, I'm so glad you're helping us. How are you doing? And then we also see his sister who is the current Baron and who had imprisoned him. And she is further painted as a psychotic monster. She's just like, why are you talking to this cog? I can't wait to beat somebody. Like she's real quick on the trigger. Anyway, long story short, we find out that uh, Gaius might've been instrumental to Widow's escape when she was a cog. Not only that, we also see that like Widow's basically like murderous, what is it? It's not a revelry. It's a, I don't know. It's a thing. Her, I don't know. What do you call it? I can't think of what it is. So am I going blank? But basically the war she's had with current Baron Chow has been on for some time, for some time. I don't even know if the current Baron Chow remembers that she was a cog or what, but also probably doesn't matter. So all of that, we get all of that. So they basically have like, you know, Louis Tan's character now, the adult version of it. He's like this like war trodden, you know, lost the battle a few times type of person. He's got his regrets. He's managed to keep his humanity and he's got this shared history with Widow. There's a hint there, there's a potential, like a tiny, tiny percentage of a potential that this could lead to something more for Widow. This is the first time we've seen her uh, interact with somebody who isn't straight out trying to plot against her and who actually knew who she was prior to her becoming the Widow. So there's that. There's They've also kind of established that this is also one of the very few people who hasn't actively tried to hurt her. And you can tell right away that she's like not sure what to do with this because on the one hand, you know, technically he's a chow. Technically he was under Baron Chow. But on the other hand, she finds herself believing him. Like he's been a prisoner this entire time and he might have been the one to help her escape. So she's, you see her kind of like dealing with it. They don't go too far into it, but the fact that we're already getting this much, I'm like, okay, we'll see. And it results at the end with um, basically her getting Gaius to prove his loyalty to her, basically. So there's a whole fight that I'm gonna get to that it, towards the end of the episode that he's there and present for. And it's an, it's an amazing fight scene. Again, hooray into the Badlands. So it's doing pretty good. So we got all that. Uh, we also got Pilgrim and MK meeting. So MK, as we know, had been slowly bleeding out 
in the forest in his quest to murder Sonny for the revenge, his fallen mother. And he got caught by the girl worker for Pilgrim. Found out that that girl's character's name is Nyx. So Nyx finds him. Apparently she managed to bring him back to Pilgrim's little fortress place and is helping to not cure him, but like bring him up on the men because he was literally bleeding out. So you see all that and you see her talking to him and they have some like soft moments there where she's like genuinely trying to reach out to him and MK is like MK and like I don't I don't I'm trying to kill Sunny. I don't have time for all of this. So, but she's basically like, look, you know, you need to be a, a teamed with somebody. You're barely hanging on as is. You need time to mend. You should check out this pilgrim dude. I'm just saying. And he's kind of listening to her, but that's quickly quickly also confronted with Caster. So Caster is the other the other dark eyes kid that Pilgrim has under his tutelage, his band of merry warriors anyway. But he's also like another like head killer. But Caster has been going through it. Like they've established pretty early on Caster is the weaker of the two that he's got for him. Nix is the stronger fighter right now. And apparently Caster either held his own or was better than Nyx at some point, but now they can see that, I don't know if it's because he's got the dark eyes thing or what, that it's, but it's slowly draining on him. Like his energy, he's bleeding a lot more. He's slowly dying is what we get from Cressida. And Caster sees MK and sees Nyx and automatically jealousy is like up front and center. And to the show's credit, it makes sense. Caster knows what's been going on and he also has recognized that people are starting to treat him a little bit differently. And now you've got this young kid messing around with apparently his girl. I've got a lot of information in like three minutes of time because as soon as Caster confronts them, he just drops all these bombs. Like, I can't believe you're trying to replace me. Okay, we kind of knew that. I can't believe, you know, that you think this guy is stronger than me. What I, I didn't know he had this much awareness to his condition. So now are you sleeping with him? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, they're not babies. Uh, granted, these these are not babies. They're they're not like 10 year olds, but they're also like not full adults yet. So the fact that he's just like frankly putting it out there that like we were getting down and now you're bringing somebody else in to also get down. I was like, I'm not ready for this conversation. Caster, yes, this is a show about murder. Where people are getting their heads blown off, limbs getting lost, like all the time. And now that we're talking, just talking about sex, I'm like, whoa, whoa. I'm gonna blame that part on being an American. But I was just like, wait, so this was like a romantic relationship as well? I thought you were literally just like side-by-side fighters, like just like, you know, brothers in arms kind of situation. Apparently not. Apparently other things were happening that we weren't aware of. Cause Nyx doesn't even like fight him on it when he's like, so you're gonna take him to your bed? And she's just like, Caster, like a like a pity, like a, I can't believe, you know, we're going here, babe, you need some rest type of look is what she gives him. I could, I was just like, what? Huh? Very, it was, I wasn't ready. So apparently that's happening as well. Uh, and that also leads towards the end of the show, like what happens with Caster and, and everything else that goes on. Uh, But also, MK finally talks with Pilgrim, and we get to see Pilgrim use his ability to not only, when we knew he could turn Caster's dark eyes element off. And again, they alluded to the fact that he could do that as to Nyx as well, to like other dark eyed children. 
but he does it to MK. And MK is supposed to be like, I don't want to say elite, but definitely one of the stronger ones. He wasn't even broken by the abbots necessarily. He like, he lost himself there for a little bit, but they also were kind of like, yo, what's wrong with this kid? So the fact that he was, I don't even think it was easily because it did take him a little bit to get him to turn off his dark eyes, but he still was able to. So it's like, what? Now there's somebody who can do this? Like I have, I hope they get more into the lore or why these black eyed kids exist at some point. Maybe there's a reference to it in Journey to the West. If you're up on Journey to the West, let me know if there are black eyed children just murdering people in the streets. I'm pretty sure that's not a part of the original interpretation, but who knows? Let me know. But we get to see that. And we also see Pilgrim become another obstacle for MK. So MK, like I said, is dead set on murdering Sunny. Cressida gets a vision and she starts putting up all these clipper tattoos on the wall in blood. Whose blood? I don't know. Maybe hers? I don't know. But in blood, she's just doing all these tattoos. And from the way that the patterns are, are spaced out, I guess MK can put together that not only is it a clipper, it's Sonny and he lets Pilgrim know what's going on and Pilgrim's like yo you can't murder him now like you're gonna have to wait for the rest of our destinies to play out before you can do anything and MK's like yeah I'm not gonna do that but thanks for trying and they kind of end it like that with MK so I mean Pilgrim seems like an honorable type of fighter he definitely has a cold belief in whatever it is that they're trying to do I'm still not exactly sure what it is that they're trying to do uh, but he's also patient. And I think that's what's making him like a really, really strong threat for this current world. Cause he's not erratic. He's not trying to get all over the place and just murder to murder or take over land or anything like that. He's literally trying to change the structure of the way that they live. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, I also was very intrigued by Moon, who is now just like grudge free. For the long, for a while, Moon held the grudge that the, with the fact that A, Sonny didn't kill him when he wanted him to kill him. And then B, left him without an arm, like left him without a hand. So the fact that after their one discussion, after being, you know, captured by underground people, that he's like, no, we cool, like we're cool, everything's good. I'm just gonna leave it be. I was like, really? I wasn't sure if he was just saying that to then change his mind. But you know, they have painted Moon to be a man of his word. So if he says this, he's gonna do with that. There's no take backs, there's no, just kidding, I lied to you type of situations. He's very, very honest. I'm, it's just still feels really weird to me how quickly that resolution came. It was just like, oh, okay, cool. Good luck with your son, like that was, it. Not only that, when he kind of gets back to the widow, he's like, yeah, that's what I told him. Like she, he tells her straight up, uh, I'm no longer fighting Sonny. Uh, I let him go and he's not trying to get revenge on you. So we cool. And she was like, we are not cool. <laughs> we are not, we are not cool. I gave you a job. You were supposed to do that job. Um, the only reason I am not murdering you right now is because we basically are easily matched. And I also still need you to lead everything else. So if Sonny comes back, everybody's going down and he was like fair so <laughs> like that i was just like what huh we're just gonna be honest in the badlands now like that doesn't really happen so i'm just i was very confused by it but it led us to a fantastic fight scene after moon comes back and talks with widow or whatever whatever they get word that chow's men are moving through their territory i wasn't sure if they were trying to attack them on purpose like they found a holdout and were 
intently going after widows people or if they were just caravanning through with the workers that they, I guess, promised Pilgrim. I was not very confused with that part of the show, but somehow Chow's men meet up with Widow's people and with Tilda's uh, bunnies, rabbits? I think she's going by rabbits. Rabbits. And fight scene goes down. So Widow gets Moon to bring Gaius Chow with them to the fight. I'm not, I, I, I want to say it was to prove loyalty. He literally just left like another fight. Like he was barely hanging in there. And now we fighting, I don't know. So, but he's in the fight. So he's there, it's Moon, Tilda's in there cause she with her girl Dessa and they were just like super happy with the fact that like, ooh, all of our needs are being met. Like we can really do a thing. Oh no, another attack. So yeah, but we could see the three of them fight. They even did a nice little, very nice shout out to all of the other martial arts films ever where all of like the, the the proclaimed heroes stand in the line and then like gear up to face and fight. It was great. It was wonderful. You got Moon, you got Gaius Chow, you got Tilda. It was good. The fight scenes were great as always. So we got to see all of that fighting. We even got to see Moon save Chow for a little bit because Moon is badass. He's just so good. And also, I think he also helped to save Tilda there too for a little bit. So we got all of that. And... And that, that's pretty much it for the episode. That was the biggest, biggest takeaways. Cressida's doing her own weird thing. I still don't know what's happening there or, or what's going on. We did get um, Sunny. Sunny and Baji met up with the witch finally, who's supposed to help cure Henry. She was like, just joking, I can't cure Henry. Like, what did that like? <laughs> this is, it's not exactly a cure. I can kind of move it around, but it's still gotta land somewhere. Uh, we, I think we've learned that Sunny was also a, like a black eyed kid at some point, but something went down where it just turned off. So she basically moved what was in Henry to Sunny uh, in a very weird way. They had to drown the baby. It got re re really weird, but eventually she managed to push some of that energy into Sunny. Um, but we also learned that she's a false narrator. So she lies a lot. A lot, a lot, in order to manipulate things into what she feels is the best destiny for whatever. She basically proclaims Pilgrim to be a bringer of chaos and that it's gonna be up to Sunny to help stop that. And Sunny's kind of like, I don't know what to do with this information, but uh, if this is gonna help Henry, sure. I'll go check him out. And then um, we got Baji, who's just, we find out not only was he under the tutelage of the witch from like a while ago, uh, he also had like some secrets. So it was like, I mean, we knew Baji always had a bunch of secrets. He's always like pulling random things out of nowhere. And you're like, you could do that? Okay. But also the fact that he had a relationship with the witch prior to their initial meeting, it was like, whoa, okay, yeah, sure. And there's a whole moment where they're like, where Sunny and Baji might be splitting ways, but they're not splitting ways. They're going together. I think Baji is going to be the, the pig demon in this story. So there's a pig demon in uh, Journey to the West, if you watch any of those. There's also two other ones, and I can't remember. I think Boone is one of them. But anyway, I'm pretty sure that's what Baji's supposed to be. So I'm gonna give you that random tidbit, because yeah, why not? But yeah, that was pretty much it for the sunny journey of everything. Now he's like, I've gotta head to Pilgrim and find out what's going on, and that's when everything else broke down, and Pilgrim now knows that he might be on his way. So hopefully there's a new episode coming out tonight. I'm recording this as of Sunday. So hopefully there's another one tonight that we can talk about later. But otherwise, Into the Badlands is doing pretty good. And I think the reason I like it and I feel it's doing well right now, not only is it has it only been like five episodes, but 
the expectation bar for Into the Badlands isn't insanely high. I mean, the story has never been the huge, huge wow factor for the show. It's always been the fighting. So the story has always come a little bit secondary and I like where they're going in terms of the story for this. Like there's room to expand, there's room to to raise it if they want to or or to keep it where it's at in order to focus on the fighting. So they've been pretty consistent. So I've, I like where they're headed with this. So right after this, we're going to be moving into Supergirl and The Flash. It's going to be mad quick as always because I don't know what they're doing over there right after this. All right. So moving on to Supergirl and The Flash over there on the CW. What is happening? What is happening? I'm going to start with Supergirl first. That's a show that's still occurring on, currently going on. That's also the show that usually airs first. It airs like Monday. Monday. Airs Mondays. Um, Supergirl has just, I don't, what is happening on Supergirl? What is happening? I feel like the season started strong. Like, ooh, there's another potential Kryptonian on board who's not necessarily fighting for good. What are we gonna do? And they did a good job of building up rain. And then when we got rain, it just went downhill. Like they were like, we don't know what else to do with her. We didn't expect to get this many episodes. Filler, 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 filler. The latest episode we got felt like another filler episode. And that's the one I'm gonna jump into because I don't even remember the last one because they're so generic. They're still on this this weird twist of, Lena not trusting Supergirl anymore because whatever, God, I'm whiny, whiny, whatever. And just, just being a bitch. I don't understand why she's having such a problem right now or why they're trying to paint it as her having such a problem right now. Like, what is going on? But whatever. So she's like a fully not trusting Supergirl and just thinking she's a huge hypocrite, even though Lena's also a hypocrite. It just drives me mad. It drives me crazy. So that's still happening. We um, Lena is failing to keep control of Rain as of this recent episode. She sucks. Um, we also have uh, a, r- a random, a random side story when it comes to Alex. It's like, I don't understand why we decided to have somebody come after her or what the lesson was at all. We just randomly got like a, oh yeah, Alex is still in here. We forgot. Let's give her a story kind of thing. We're like, they brought back the sheriff she put away as a little kid. Another filler episode we got, unlike the history of Kara and Alex. The sheriff from way long ago, who was, I, I want to say drug dealing or something. He was doing something nefarious and had to kill somebody who witnessed it and ended up being like a kid. And Alex figured out who that was, got him turned in. Apparently he was recently released and now somebody's attempting to kill her. And she's trying to figure out if maybe it's him or somebody else. Uh, she manages to basically clear him as a suspect. Like after rubbing it in his face again, that he's a terrible person and cold-hearted murderer, um, this beaten man, <laughs> she tells him, oh, okay, well, he might not be the one who's actually killing, going after me to kill me. And then it turns out that it's somebody else entirely. Apparently there was like another Fort Ross escapee that had a twin brother for some reason. And she put away, it didn't make sense. And I didn't know why we needed, in a random long way, they were, I guess they were trying to be like, well, now that Alex is taking care of Ruby, this is what it's gonna be like for her to have a kid. But I mean, this is a storyline that like we really had and was really relevant when she was with Maggie. But now that she's no longer with Maggie, why did we need this? Not only that, but we haven't touched on this particular topic in ages, in 
ages. And now they're like, oh yeah, Alex wants a kid. It was dumb. I don't understand why we got that. We also had something stupid happen with Car and Monel. I don't know why we needed Car and Monel to have their own side trip. Uh, why? Uh, they had to go get this mystery rock uh, that was supposedly floating on an asteroid in order to help stop rain. Apparently it was a rock that could recalibrate rain so that the other personality, Sam, could come to the surface rather than it be rain. So that's why they're trying to get this rock. It's dumb. Even as I'm saying it right now, it just sounds stupid. But so they get to this asteroid. It turns out it's not an asteroid. It's a planet. They land. They start walking amongst all of the human looking people. They're like, oh, thank God we blend in. You don't. You're walking in red, blue, and yellow capes. So they're walking around and they're just like mad confused. And the people around them are also looking Mad confused. So Monel's like, ooh, okay, well, we need to blend in. And he gives them some really long looking monk cape coats situations to cover them for no purpose because they then eventually talk with the leaders of this floating island planet thing. And it turns out that one of the leaders is Kara's mom. Why the hell is she alive? Why is she alive? I thought the whole point of the fact that Kara was alone was the fact that Kara was alone. She was the only one who had survived from her immediate family. She had a cousin, but that's it. Like that was it. They have brought back the mother several times. We're on the third season. We've seen her mother come back three times. Three times. Why? Why do we need her come back again? Apparently, after reading some of the other recaps, this is a true to the comics type of storyline where at some point Kara comes across basically a floating planet of surviving Kryptonians and her mother is, is one of them. It leads to something else. I'm sure at some point they either die or they just stop talking or something. I just don't know why we need to tread this again. And the whole the whole section of the mon Kara storyline, she's like very heavily complaining about how hard it is to live this dual identity when she has never been complaining about it up until now. They try to tie it into the Lena thing, like she's tired of keeping secrets and that's what's leading her to really second guess this dual identity and you know her not being able to truly, truly be herself all of the time. Wow, wow. Again, this is also something we've treaded on with Supergirl for the last three seasons. What, 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 why? So all of that, we get a random reunion. They still ask about The Rock. Though The Rock is still on this planet island thing, but apparently it's being used to, to power this planet island thing. So she talks with the elders, the other rulers, I guess, for this place. And most of them are like, nah, girl, you can't have this, this rock. No. <laughs> and others are like, well, maybe we should think about it. So they very heavily, in CW fashion, I, or comic fashion, maybe possibly as well, uh, show how one of the elders is actually also the hologram that we see talking to Rain all the time. It's, it's to that lady's likeness at the very least. And she does give Kara like this kind of evil, I know something smile. So it's like, okay, so it's this lady. So clearly a betrayal is going to be happening. And that's probably how we're going to end this current mother-daughter reunion storyline again. Uh, that's me jumping to conclusions. But so we see this doppelganger on the island, but she's like super helpful with Kara, which wouldn't be that far of a reach if she really is doing evilness. So... She's, she ends up being the deciding vote in order for Kara to get the rock. I think they get a piece of it. I tuned out after this part because 
it just got dumb. I didn't understand why we needed all of this buildup. So we get all of that, blah, 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 whatever. She might've gotten the rock. She might not have, I don't care at this point. But basically the end of the episode comes with rain breaking free because Lena sucks and Kara and Monel like just making it in time as she's about to really get loose out of the lab and the fight begins. I'm assuming we're getting the finale in next week. I'm, a, I'm gonna assume that because usually it's not too far after the other finales for the CW shows. So I'm gonna put that on the table. Um, on another random note, this episode had win be an asshole. It's very rare we get a lot of win in these episodes unless they're talking about the tinkerer again or his latest love interest or lack thereof. But we got some more win, but it was for some reason to show his animosity to Maggie. Or sorry, not Maggie, Ruby. To Ruby for some reason. I also didn't understand why we needed this subplot as well. There's a whole mini, mini, mini storyline with win being like really put out that he's got to watch Ruby. Mind you, she's damn near a teenager she's not three but he's just really put out with the fact that she's around i i didn't understand what was happening and of course it resulted in him being like i'm being a jerk let me let's hang out for reals i didn't nothing made sense nothing made sense let's all let's just go ahead and move on to the flash so the flash also didn't make sense but at least they wrapped it up so that's done the finale was not last week but the week before last <sighs> okay so this entire season has been weird. This this season of The Flash has been strange. It's not without its positive notes. It's had cool twists and turns. We had Mystery Girl, they introduced Dibney. We had that wonderful Cisco gypsy storyline that even though it ended in tears was, a, was amazing. We need more solo stories with just Cisco at some point. Other than that, this villain didn't really make any sense. It He felt like a placeholder most of the time. And then when we finally got into like the meat of him, you could have easily recapped that into one episode, but they strung it through for the whole season. And then not only that, when they finish him, like the finale, the resolution to get rid of him, it was literally like, it was inside you the whole time type of story. So I mean, there's this whole thing where Barry finally gets into the psyche of the thinker. We know that the thinker has taken over Dibney's body because Dibney is the plastic man. What do they call him? The elastic guy, I guess, in this one? Or the elongated man in this one? Something. He's, he's plastic man. So he can shape shift into whatever he wants to be. And that was the whole purpose of him being created by the thinker. He knew that his current vessel was a poor one. It couldn't walk. It couldn't do much. So he needed something that was going to let him not only grow in intelligence, so he needed something that would be able to expand as he expanded in his intelligence, but also something that would be capable and be able to house all of the other powers he stole from those metas. Granted, every time we've seen him take a power from a meta, they died. They died. Which is why Dibney's death was so effective. But just kidding. So apparently when he took over Dibney's body, he couldn't kill him outright in order to keep the body functioning, which makes no sense. Which makes no sense. To, I didn't, I, okay, confusion. So apparently, and if, he, if he kept the body alive to inhabit a little, a tiny piece of that person was in the body the entire time. I don't know why we didn't utilize this to stop it way earlier with anybody else who was in that body. But whatever, they waited for Dibney. So uh, Dibney's wife, what is her name? It doesn't even matter. 
Dibney, or not Dibney's wife, the thinker's wife, tells them, uh, if you can find the good version of the thinker in there, in his consciousness, we can bring that to the surface. It's going to stop the thinker and we can stop everything else that's going on because the reckoning is happening. He's going to do the full, like, intelligence reverse on humans at some point. That's still happening as a thing. Countdown has begun. So Flash goes in there with the intent of finding the good version of the thinker. That good version is dead when they finally come across the body. And they, being Dibney, because he runs into Dibney in the mind, because apparently you have to keep him around for for whatever comic book reasons, they find the thinker's original body dead, like whole in him. So they're like, oh, this plan is not going to work. We don't have the good one. What are we going to do? It's very clear that this is a way to bring Dibney back. It's very clear as soon as we spot Dibney, that he's going to be the one to help stop the thinker and take back control of his body. It just was, I want to say it felt like an easy out. It was just like really weird. It was just weird. I feel like they were capable of so much more. And instead we got that. It felt lazy. So they were like, oh, well, Dibney's back. He just has to take over the body and completely kick out the consciousness of the thinker. He could do that this entire time? Like... And they don't even go into how that exactly happens. Like, apparently, he's just got to think good thoughts and fight the thinker in his mind. And he wins. And they have to make it to this warp. Which also didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, they had to get through this portal in order to bring that consciousness to fruition. And in order for that consciousness to maintain the body. I did, I did, the, loose, the loose comicness of it all was just like, what... Not only that, but they wrapped that up really fast in the finale episode. Like, we had a good nearly 20 minutes left of the show by the time they finished all that. They tried to tie it into the fact that the satellite was still going to go off. So even though they managed to stop the thinker and completely, I guess, eject him from Dibney? Or is he still in there? Also, not really clear. They still to stop the satellite. So you get Flash, like, getting down to the wire realizing that he nearly needs to rack up in speed in order to stop it uh, and tries to go full force towards it. Turns out, or as as we see uh, multiple times, he tr- apparently tries to go after it, but every time, uh, there's multiple times. So every time he tries to stop the satellite by doing a huge flash punch, apparently, to it, it seems like it's not successful. When it's, ju- when it's him trying to do it it keeps rewinding and then starting again and then rewinding and then starting again and then rewinding so the third time that happens and you see him again taking off to go punch the satellite you see a second hand also reach out and punch the satellite and we're like and it's in the same like they give it the same streak as the girl we've been seeing this entire time mystery girl shows up also punching the satellite manages to stop the satellite stop the awakening the reckoning all of those things and they're like, everything's back to being good. Cecile has her baby. They're in the midst of like a welcome to the world baby type of party. And Mystery Girl shows up and introduces herself. And we find out that she is in fact Nora. Nora. Yeah, that's her name. Nora. She is Iris and Barry's daughter from the future. And she lets them know straight up, um, we in trouble because I messed up something. And that's how they end it. So clearly that's going to be the focus for the next season. The end. The end of The Flash. Like, I, what? I, what? What? They haven't gone back and talked about Killer Frost Origins at all. Like, three episodes before the finale, they just dropped this bomb at the very end of the episode of like, oh yeah, Caitlin, 
You might have had these powers since birth. So we're not touching on it ever again until the next season, apparently. We just wanted to drop this tidbit here for no reason. Like, I don't, this, what? Why? 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 More questions. More questions. And that's it. That's it. The end. The end of The Flash. This show. I'm hoping the next season is good. I stick around because even though Flash has their, their highs and their lows, their highs are really good. They're really good. And their lows can just be like, what is, what is happening? What is going on? I don't understand. We're also out like another Wells. Like that, they're just like, we're going to keep continuing this. We're just going to keep going and lose the Wells every season. He wasn't murdered. He's definitely not regaining his intelligence. Uh, he just decided, I guess, to go back home to Jesse. And they've already confirmed in the next season they're bringing a totally new Wells into the fray. I don't know why we need to keep this going on, but sure, why not? And that's it. So we're going to be jumping into The Expanse because why, CW? Why? Right after this. Okay, so we are moving on to one of my favorite shows this summer season, and that is The Expanse. It's still doing an amazing job of just being great episode to episode, and it's definitely making me feel a lot better that the show has been saved. So it's been confirmed that the show is headed to Amazon. As I said that, I'm now doubting that, and I think it might be Hulu. Please don't be Hulu. I'm going to double check it, but it has been saved. So the future of The Expanse is still going to exist. Hopefully, we'll get like uh, even more amazing series out of it. I know there's several books, so hopefully it goes it goes the distance. Hopefully we get the distance of this because the show is amazing. The show is amazing. I hope they're able to keep the writers and the, and the rest of that crew and the cast because it's, it's just amazing. It's been working really, really well. Yep, it is. It's Amazon. Aha, there we go. So here's hoping. Here's hoping. Amazon's been doing good things and I'm able to binge watch on Amazon. So I'm going to hope they're going to keep that as a thing. Like you can binge it and not do an episode to episode thing. Please don't. Okay. That being said, let's go ahead and jump into The Expanse. So uh, honestly, I don't remember what happened in the episode before last week's. So I do know we got a resolution to things. I do remember a news crew entered because um, we had, we fast forwarded a little bit. So it's been a few months since everything, all the fallout of the lie that happened with that war. Everybody is appropriately in jail or dead. Um, and now Holden and the rest of the Rosie crew, which is basically Amos and Alex, because Naomi is now uh, elsewhere with the belt belt bleh, I can't talk with the belters. So they are in the midst of like legal ramifications for having the Rosinati. It was very evident they stole this ship like a while back. But now after everything's kind of gone down, and even though they were instrumental in helping to stop the war that was going on, they, um, well, Mars still wants their ship back. So they invited this, uh, looks like a reality series crew onto the ship to help pay for all those legal bills that they're facing with that. And that's pretty much it. That's the only reason this crew is on the ship. The crew on the ship, or having that t this TV crew on the ship is very interesting. It's quite clear that they cannot be trusted. They're sleazy as heck. It's really weird. They're mad, just in everybody's face. Granted, they're trying to get like the best story they can, but it's in like the sleaziest way possible. It's, um, it's almost amazing. It's almost amazing how this is working so far. I thought the lead girl was definitely gonna go after Holden, but she's like all about Amos. Like, 
makes it mad apparent like yo we're doing a show and whatnot but uh if you want a one-on-one we can do that and amos was like i don't shit where i eat so and leaves i was like amos you are the best um but <laughs> just just how he turns it especially now that we've got the backstory with amos like the backstory with amos and the fact that he kind of he basically was raised by sex workers he knows that industry he understands the dark side of the needs of people. They've painted future Baltimore as um, kind of like current Baltimore. Just like this really, really hard place to grow up, come up in and grow up in. And um, I mean, I know book spoilers wise, there's a whole story about how he might have been like a major player in like the thievery game, drug game, basically underbelly, maybe criminal activity-wise type of game and made his escape. And that's how he's out in space right now and now on the Rossinati. Um, But the show has definitely helped to explain that he has he has a very clear understanding of the lust in people. And he's not about that life. He is really just about doing his work, getting the fuck out. That's it. That's all he wants to do. So you got this girl hitting on him mercilessly. And he's just like, um, no. Pass. No, thank you. And his usual Amos retort. What I wasn't expecting was the cameraman also coming for him. He was like, I know you turned down What's-Her-Face, but how about me? This cameraman is interesting. He's blind, but he's the cameraman, and he's able to do so with future tech that is also involved in his fingers. He's able to manipulate and maneuver this camera with his fingers. And I don't know if he can see through this camera or what. I'm going to assume so. Because he like is sneakily around the ship just trying to get all this information. But he does. He hits up Amos and he's like, so, you know, I know you turned her down, but uh, what about me? And it's the same response. Like, no, I don't shit where I eat, so back it on up. So it's very it's very interesting. And then this latest episode, he that cameraman is clearly up to something. He's in a place where he's not supposed to be. And he... he I want to say he leaves a camera. He does something weird to try and get like more information after a door is closed on him and tries to paint it like, oh no, I was just trying to see if we could hook up still. Amos, what's up? And Amos is like, no, no, no. So, I mean, that that was definitely a standout for me for the episode. Uh, this recent episode also introduced us to a slingshotter. Apparently that's a thing. I don't know if it's belter famous or if it's done by everybody who has access to spaceships. But basically this dude just kind of like lets gravity do its course. So he will literally sling him, slingshot himself through space. Uh, and I think he was trying to cover the most distance as a belter. And they paint this kid up as like this rocker, doesn't care about his life type of person. <laughs> He's got a girl back home. And part of this is to impress the girl back home. Uh, and we get like these, it's real fast. We get like, I want to say eight minutes with him. And it, but it's painted so clearly. This is a kid who's trying really, really hard to impress this girl. This girl's the love of his life. She breaks his heart. He kind of loses himself in it, but is determined to win her back with what he's doing with his slingshots prowess. And it kind of works. She gets another video back from her like, ooh, well, you know, now you're making waves or whatever. Next time you come back home, you know, I'll definitely be waiting. And he's like, all right. Like, I'm go- now I'm also going to do the ultimate so that she's like super happy I'm back. And we see him face the ring. So the ring has been the new culmination of the proto-molecule. The proto-molecule finally left Venus. I want to say that was Venus. 
And when we last saw it leave, it looked like some kind of weird jellyfish. And now it looks like a straight circle. It's just a straight circle in the air. They're calling the ring. And so he's very close to it and he sees it. And he's like, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to slingshot myself through this ring because no one else has come near it. And he goes to do it and it doesn't work. Well, or does it? Well, so in true Puerto Monaco fashion, it freezes everything, but also explodes him. So he's dead. And his name, his name is something I really want to get into. His name is Maneo Jung Espinoza. That's three different countries happening at one time. Maneo, for sure, sounds Polynesian. Like that could be Samoan, that could be Tongan, that could be Hawaiian, that could be any of the lovely Polynesian islands. And then you've got Young, J-U-N-G, which is clearly Asian. That could be Chinese. That could be Mandarin. That could be Taiwanese. That could be anything. And then Espinosa? Clearly Spanish. Like that Esteban situation we had with the general, with the secretary general person. I need to get more into these books. I mean, these seem pretty pointed. Like when they're drawing these cultural references, I'm, I'm clearly it's established somewhere in these books that these are the generations of after all of these other people. All these different countries got together to put them out there in the first place. Mars is pretty mixed, and they've got a random Western accent, like there's a Texan accent for a lot of them. And then you've got the Belters, who I don't care what nobody says, it sounds like pigeon. I know they're trying to say it's a Creole, and technically pigeon is a Creole. That's pigeon though, but that's pigeon. And they're really like showing the mix and mingling of that. And so I'm gonna have to look into that. I'm gonna have to look into the history of that. But I just couldn't get over his name. Plus, I really liked the setup for him. The actor who played him did a great job. Like he won me over in those eight minutes. I was sad when he was gone. Rest in peace, Manel, because that was, that you did an amazing job in that short, short eight minutes of time we got. Uh, we also got Holden seeing Miller pop up randomly in places. That's hilarious. The reaction every time he sees Miller kind of pop up or he hears Miller and just like the slow, terrified turn to see what's happening is priceless every time it's because it's quite it, holding is not necessarily a guy who's intent on control but he's somebody who is pretty wary of his his surroundings like he, he's been through a lot of crap he's been through a lot of shit he's seen things he's survived things and now he's hearing voices like he's hearing voices he's seeing people who should be dead he's like i've lost it this is happening i'm losing it i've been in space for far too long, it's happening. I'm now just seeing things. But he realizes there's a bigger point to having Miller around again. And that's to explore the ring. So the latest episode, we see them attempting to try to get through the ring. It's on a nice little cliffhanger. I know they're not dead. And I know that they're probably gonna find out even more about what's going on with the ring because they're our main crew. But is Miller dead? So I, just, I haven't read the books, as I've said many times before. Is he really speaking to Holden? Is this the proto-molecule speaking to Holden through Miller? What is happening here? They better explain everything else that's happening. That's all I'm saying. They better have some something happening. Uh, also, there was a... Okay, so on, on Twitter and in some of the recap posts I was looking at uh, in regards to Naomi... I, there were some people who were really confused as to why Naomi was suddenly speaking with a Belter accent all of a sudden. Like she was speaking fluent Belter. 
randomly. And before then, we kind of just saw Naomi with her regular English accent on the Rasanade. And somebody else pointed out that she was code switching. If this is on purpose, if they are literally including that into this story, this is now my favorite series of all time. If you don't know what code switching is, that is, I don't want to say it's a cultural thing. It might be a cultural thing, but it's definitely something black people got to deal with on a regular basis. Like there's the way you talk with your friends and family, and then there's the way you talk at work. And primarily a lot of us work for a lot of white people and they Something they demand that you speak a certain way, but the intent is there that you've got to fully enunciate and, you know, use a certain type of language when you're working so that it sounds nice and pleasant. You can't just say yo and son and whatever else slang you want to use. You can't drop your vowels. Like you can't do certain things uh, that might make it harder for people to understand you. They're looking for a clean, crisp whatever. And so that is code switching. So if you talk one way with one person, but talk a totally different way with some people you deem like home, like family, that's code switching. So you've got Naomi now who, when we first met her, even when they were on Ganymede, yeah, Ganymede, which is Belter territory, she wasn't speaking in like all Belter talk the entire time. And now she's on this ship, the Mormon, <laughs> the Mormon ship turned into a wannabe kind of space fighter and she's going full Belter. And so for some people it was really throwing them off and other people were like, no, nah, this is, that's the reality of the world. And if that's on purpose, if that's on purpose, the expanse, kudos to ya. Who is in the writing room with you guys? Is this, was this in the books? Was she doing that in the books too? Did they describe it as that as well? Diversity in This Is Expanse is just consistently blowing my mind on how they're including all these other things that are usually are not touched on in regular TV. So amazing, amazing to see all that happen. Uh, and also to finish it all off, we have a new threat that might be headed towards our favorite people. So there is a character called Melba. She's a tech. Uh, that we've been seeing here and there. You see her working on stuff, working on ships, and then she just committed straight murder. She murdered her boss because he discovered, was it a bomb? She was implanting something into a ship. I don't know if it was bomb or something else, but he knew it wasn't supposed to be there. And because he witnessed it, she had to get rid of him. She does this weird like clenching situation. It, it looks like she's popping something in her mouth. I don't know if, if she's got like capsules or something happening in, underneath her teeth, but she's tapping into something and then it gives her superhuman strength for like a brief moment before she completely gets weak. She murders this dude and then she has to use that strength again to hide the body. That was whoo, rough, that was rough. It was a whole scene where like, you see how it's wrecking her. Like she really wasn't trying to murder anybody. She's already nervous as is with the fact that she's doing something on the down low. And then she's also got to get rid of the body and she's got to like, like work through the nauseousness of further mutilating a dead body already of somebody that she actually respected. So she's got to like smush this guy into like a, a cubby that's a, behind a panel on the ship and then try to mop up all the blood, you know, from crushing his skull. It, it was an interesting, crazy scene. So we see that and uh, she gets out of there now. Again, spoilers all over the place. I was like, what is the purpose of this chick? Like, what, why is she here? This is so random. So wiki, everything exists. So there's a wiki expanse and they touch onto who Melba is um, 
And turns out she, in the books at least, turns out to be Mao's daughter. So Mao's got two daughters, which he did say. He's, uh, but I don't think he ever said their names, did he? Maybe. But we know he's got two daughters. We know Julie was one and she went full proto-molecule. And last we saw her, she was full blue body, but still had consciousness and was talking with Miller before they crashed on Venus. And now apparently there's this daughter and her, her name in the books is Clarissa, AKA Claire. But she's going under the pseudonym of Melba right now because she's after Holden. So in the books, she's got a bend it against Holden. Holden's the reason her father got put away. I don't know if he got murdered in the books. Something happened. Mal's gone. So Mal's no longer in the picture and she blames Holden for it. And so she's coming after them. Like that's that's the whole her whole purpose of getting the strength and becoming attack and getting into space is to go after them. And that's kind of, it definitely feels like that's going to be the new setup for what's going down. I'm interested to see how that plays out. If they're going to continue to follow the books with that, if that's so, she's going to be a new friend for Amos. And that, that would be interesting to see. Amos and his friends are hilarious. I'm sad that Prox is no longer right there. And he even says that Prox is like his bestest friend in the whole world, which is so cute. And, but I mean, I just love it. I just love that he and Prox got so close so fast because Prox is literally the exact opposite of him. And that's probably why he's so like, this is my bestest friend in the world. So, there's that and that's it that's it so now we're getting into the next episode hopefully we see the after effects of what's going on in the ring hopefully we see uh what else is happening on the on the spectrum of everything else that's going on we know the belter ship is kind of going through it there's a power struggle happening right now we know on earth avasarala is really trying her best to try and clean everything up but it's the whoo it's it's a work in progress uh i also want some more bobby bobby's back on mars and there was a whole very cute scene of Bobby and Alex like talking and catching up with each other. But we need her back in space. So they need to figure out what they're going to do with that. And so after this, we're going to be talking about My Hero Academia and talk about the latest episode there right after this. All right. So we're going to be jumping into My Hero Academia and some Deadpool spoiler recaps. It's going to be super, super quick. My Hero Academia is a super short show um, up until now. So the episode prior to now, uh, it was, it's still a slow progression to go get Bakugo. So the kids decided they were going to go get Bakugo um, and they managed to talk Momo into making that tracker for them too so they can try and find Bakugo. Uh, the episode before last, or this Saturday? Last Saturday? So before this latest episode. Uh, was basically like the kids seeing the fallout of everything that went down. You see UA High in the news and they're having conferences uh, talking and apologizing about all of the stuff that's been happening against the kids. We've got um, the kids in the midst of like what looks to be like a really big city type area. I don't remember if they call it New Tokyo or what. I don't remember what they call this place, but it's a very, it's very city. Uh, it's really cute to see them go get disguises because they realize, like, you know, their their faces are going to be recognizable after the UA games. Their choices are hilarious. My favorite, of course, is Ida's. I like the throwback. I like the sleek look that he gives him. It's very 30s Ida. It's looking good. Uh, Momo is hysterical. She's like, we need to buy these things. And they're like, of course, the rich girl wants to buy stuff. Hilarious. She literally could just make it, but she's like, no, the economy. So I like, I like, I like that she has these real world worries when it comes to stuff like that. 
and we get everybody else's looks too. It runs the gamut. It's really funny. Uh, and they manage to track it down to where Bakugo is hiding. Ida manages to talk them out of immediately rushing the house. They're like, look, the pros are on their way. We got here. This is as much as we said we were going to do. I don't advise us sticking around, but I know you want to stick around just to make sure Bakugo is good. So we'll give it a minute or so. They don't have to wait long. Next episode, this latest episode, uh, that's exactly what Pro Team does. So Team Pro Heroes have put a plan together. Turns out that news conference we saw before, which we get a little bit more insight into, uh, not only are these poor UA administrators taking a beating from the reporters, uh, especially in regards to everything that went down at the camp and everything that went down prior to that. Like this is the third attack on these kids that's happened. Uh, this one reporter specifically is like really trying to get at them to get, to get them to slip up and say something incriminating. Uh, but they just play it dumb. They play it dumb and they just keep apologizing. And that's basically all they keep saying over and over again. We do get a nice little moment where Eraserhead speaks to Bakugo's character and he basically, you know, puts it out there that like, yeah, you know, Bakugo, he's he's definitely got a temper to him, but they've got another thing coming. If they think that they can talk him into doing anything, he doesn't want to do, which was nice. It was very nice to have that little moment there. But we also find out that it's a front. It's a stall tactic uh, in order f to get the bad guys off of their guard. So the bad guys are also watching the news conference, thinking they've got the upper hand. Technically, they do. They've got Bakugo They're in the midst of their epic speech to him about why you should join us, man. Why you, we should be friends together. Uh, and not expecting a full assault by these heroes. And that's exactly what happens. The heroes are like, well, just joking. We have the insight. We still have the tracker from Momo. We know exactly where Bakugo Go is. And we even know the villains that we're facing. So let's go team. And they do. It's a huge crowd of pro heroes that come. And things start working immediately. They bust open that door. All Might's there. We're like, we're here to save you, Bakugo. Of course, Bakugo has already freed himself at this point, And he was in the midst of his own speech of like, y'all are gonna get it. <laughs> so he's a little pissed that now he can't really act on that. So you see all of that go down. And it looks like it's gonna be a, a wrap for the villains. The kids, even the kids outside are like, okay. Size of relief. The pros are here. We didn't have to do anything. They got Bakugo. Let's head out, team. Of course, it's never that simple. Uh, all of a sudden, the bad guys that they had been trying to capture start to disappear. They start to fade away. Not only that, but the pro heroes are starting to get wiped out. Like, in a really fast fashion. Just like, psh, it, like it's nothing. And, you know, of course, these people start to tremble. There's, like, a lot of muttering. But All Might knows what's up. It's all for one. So all for one makes his appearance and it is a heck of an entrance. They introduce him at the very end of the episode and basically everybody's frozen. Like his presence is so huge and just permeates so much. It literally freezes people. And there's a whole monologue at the end where Deku's like, we saw our own deaths. That's how insanely powerful this dude is. Like he's shaking everything up. I'm excited. I've read the manga. I've read this arc. So I know what this is going to lead to. I'm excited to see how they're going to interpret this for the show. Like the, the episode we got, even though we knew the press conference was going on and we knew about the little situation that they end up having, we didn't get that whole sidebar with Eraserhead speaking to Bakugo's character. Um, and it's really nice to see the insight, especially when they have all the heroes teamed up, like between the boredom and like... <laughs> 
and other people like taking it seriously like seeing that nice scope between them all i also really like that especially in anime that we get like these real world uh confrontations that come up like yes we're in a land of superheroes where literally people are born with powers however people are still people so if we have kids constantly under attack the public is going to get annoyed with that they're going to be like what the fuck are you teaching these kids why why are they being attacked all the time why would i send my kid to this to this place just for them to die what's happening like that that's that's something that would actually happen so I like that. I like how they integrate all of that with the fantasy. It's working really well. So that's it for My Hero Academia. I'm going to move on in to Deadpool. Spoilers, also super, super fast. Uh, Hopefully by now you've seen the film. I thought the film was really good. So my opinion, uh, I didn't have a super, super high bar as to what to expect from the show. It's Deadpool. He breaks the fourth wall. He does a lot of ridiculousness. I love it when they intersect it with bits of his humanity. It was, they call it getting refrigerated. That whole part where they kill his love interest off. Did it need to happen? Probably, no, it didn't. It didn't need to happen. But they included it for the story and then completely erased it at the end with the time sequence that they did. But given all of that, I did like the moment where he just pulls the guy into a hug and then puts them in front of that bus. It was real quick and real fast and we probably didn't need all that buildup. But I liked that moment of him realizing like what happened and not caring anymore what's going on around him. Like as long as he gets this guy, he doesn't care. And he and that and that's kind of the setup for the whole film is him trying to kill himself so that he can be with his girl. But every time he gets close to doing that, he gets sent back because he can't die. He heals too fast. So we get that. Um, the biggest things for me, though, with Deadpool was I was sad that they got rid of X-Horse as fast as they did. <laughs> I saw the explanations for that. So they went back and there is, this, uh, not the studio, but the production crew give an explanation as to, or the director maybe, gives an explanation as to uh, why they had to. They had to kill off the characters they chose for X-Force because there's going to be an X-Force movie on its own. It's going to be a spinoff film called X-Force. And uh, they didn't want to basically like pigeonhole that director for that film into choosing those characters. They wanted to leave it open for him to choose whoever he wanted to choose. I don't think that was so much their opinion as it was the big guys, the corporation's opinion, but whatever, sure. But I hope, I hope after all of that buildup, they bring some of those guys back. I wouldn't mind Terry Crews, of course, Louis Tan, and even Bill Skarsgård who was in there. I wouldn't mind if they brought them back into this latest X-Force film. It would be great. It would be hilarious. Even, they should definitely include Domino. They should definitely put Zazzy back in there. That'd be, it'd be the greatest. So I hope that's what they're gonna do with that. I did want to know, like, after everything that went down, after Cable gave up his, like, time leaping capabilities, is he just going to be sticking around with Deadpool now? Like, is that how they're setting this up? They At the end of it, we see that uh, Negasonic fixes the, the time piece. So he technically could just go back to the future. But is that what he's going to do? They left that wide open. So who knows? Uh, also... 
I love seeing a familiar face pop up in that film. So there's there was this running joke with Black Tom. So Black Tom Cassidy is actually a character from the comics, actually has abilities and everything. Um, but in the film, they introduced him as just like, uh, well, I know they introduced him as a prisoner in a special uh, jail for people with abilities. So I, it, I, it looks like it was established that he's also got abilities as well. He's just also, you know, in, hampered by that collar. But he calls himself Black Tom and he introduces himself to Deadpool. And of course, the jokes start to fly about his cultural appropriation by calling himself Black Tom. And then he gets killed. And there's a whole joke about how uh, the killer is racist because he killed Black Tom. It's hysterical. But um, are they going to bring him back? That's not the question I have. So Jack Cassie, who plays that character, is Roller on Claws. If you watch TNT Claws with Miss Niecy Nash... Uh, he plays a pretty prominent character in that show and he does a great job of it. So I'm wondering if he's going to come back and do it for Deadpool. Well, not do, roll it for Deadpool. But do, <laughs> is there somehow going to bring Black Tom back? Or was that just like a random character? They were like, well, this is part of his canon, but we don't really need him. And so whatever, bye. Who knows? Who knows? But that's it. That's it for my little Deadpool pool. pool. Peace there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So this is going to be a little bit shorter. Not that much else is really going on. Just a lot of shows are going off. But that is going to bring us into our summer season. And with that, our summer shows. So for me, that means checking out the latest season of Humans. So there's going to be a season three to Humans. I am a little confused as to what they're going to talk about. I mean, well, now that everybody is awake, is everybody? And yes, at the end of season, I want to say season two. Everybody is awake. So, but also somebody for sure looks like they are dead. So I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get into resolution to that or see what this world looks like now that everybody is awake. So there's that. Cloak and Dagger is going to make their debut also. This is all next week too that this is happening. So Humans is coming on next week or the, um, the week coming up this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So yeah, Humans is coming in. Cloak and Dagger is also coming out this week as well. And that is a nice and another Marvel problematic property. Um, in case you did not know, Cloak and Dagger was created in the 80s. And it was very heavy around crack. And even the setup between Cloak and Dagger was like, okay, okay, here we go. All right. So, so I'm just going to leave it at that. If you want to look into that, you can. But it was... Whew, it was mad problematic. So um, it's going to be on Freeform. This is the, the show that people have been, or at least in my, my geek community, have been waiting to see, but we're also kind of hesitant to check out because it's on Freeform. So we're like, okay. But I know cause it's going to get teen angsty. It's going to get teen angsty. But um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what exactly they're going to be doing with all of this. So that's coming out, though, this Thursday. So that's this Thursday. Humans is coming out Tuesday. Uh, we also got Luke Cage coming out later in the month. And Luke Cage's season two is coming out June 22nd on Netflix. Preacher is also coming back. Preacher is weird. Preacher is another comic book to television series. Mad dark. Super dark show. I, it, uh, just there's a lot of questions. This last season was the strangest of all. We got some answers. Uh, but not a whole lot. It wasn't super cohesive. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. 
I'm really surprised they got another season. So there's that. Hopefully it'll wrap up everything that's been going down because it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Uh, and majority of the reason that I was watching it was because of uh, the guy who plays Cassidy. So the guy who plays Cassidy was in another show called Misfits that was on BBC. And that show was amazing. That was another show about kids with super abilities and basically what they did with their lives. So these kids are ASBO kids. And apparently in the UK, that means like they're offenders. And they're, it's like, it's like, that's not juvenile detention, but it's definitely probation. So they're doing like probation work. And these, these kids are mad selfish and just ridiculous. And they get these superpowers from a storm. And then they got to figure out what to do with that and how to continue living their lives. It's really, it was really good. And a nice dive into like humanity, especially when you're like at the cusp of adulthood. These kids, they weren't teenagers necessarily. They were definitely in like their, I want to say in their early 20s or so. But just like how they were super irresponsible and this was forcing them to like actually think about their actions and the consequences to that. It was a really, really good show. And the guy that was in it, he played this guy named Rudy. His real name is Joe Gilgan. And my God, this guy is gorgeous. So first of all, gorgeous. Secondly, an amazing actor. He's really good. He's really, really good. And he plays this very torn character named Cassidy on Preacher. And I was I was like, I'm in. I'm going to watch this. There was an, also the girl in Preacher. I can't, of course, I can't think of her name. But she also recently was up for an Academy Award uh, for a movie about the... The Love Family from Virginia. That the, the story from the 50s? The 60s? Love versus Virginia. Where basically it was like their first, they were the couple who was trying to get interracial marriage legalized. Loving. It was, it was called Loving. Loving versus Virginia. And she's amazing. She's also a really, really good actress. And she was also in Misfits. What was her name? course is going to bug me forever and it's not going to tell me who it was just tell me the cast for the love of me ruth nega there we go ruth nega <laughs> was also in misfits and i was like okay it's like a little mini misfits kind of reunion cool the guy who plays stark's father in the captain america film the first film is also made he, he plays the preacher so they're all british actually i think ruth is irish but they're all from the UK, and they're playing these American characters, and the show it the show is just the show is mad dark because the comic was mad dark, but it also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I'm going to be watching that off and on, or trying to binge it here and there, cause it's it's a weird it's a weird show it's a weird show. So that someone so there's preacher, and then also power power is going to be coming back soon. Power. Is also another show that is just like really good at being dark, really good at showing like the underbelly of, uh, of being a criminal, but also the humanity of trying to live your regular life and how it doesn't all, never ever intersects, never ever intersects. So they're going to be picking up after their crazy finale from last year. There was a death involved. I think another death needs to happen uh, in order to rectify the death that was involved last season. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm tempted to talk about it. Power isn't necessarily anything that has to do with geekery per se, 
but it's really good. It's really good. So it's claws. Also, doesn't necessarily have to deal with geekery, but also really good. So thinking about those shows to talk about while we're in our summer break, because all of my regular shows will be soon on hiatus. So we'll see. We'll see how all of that goes. But for now, that's going to be it. So I hope you guys have a great week. Again, this is Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl. As always, you can find me under that everywhere. My website is curvygeekyfangirl.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. That's primarily where I'm at. I'm more on Twitter than anywhere else. Twitter is under Curvy Geeky Fangirl. Uh, the A and the I in Fangirl is taken out because character limits. So all of that as well. So I will hit you guys up soon, I promise, uh, with even more compelling recapery that's been happening. So I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.